For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Now, sometimes we hear the statement made by someone when they're talking to, to a group that agrees with them. That he, they'll say, well, I'm, I'm speaking to the, I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> well, you know, that's how I feel every time I get up here on Sunday. I'm preaching to people who believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. People who love the Lord. People who have given their lives to Jesus Christ. And so I take a lot of liberty in that when I select what I want to talk about. Uh, there, not only you, but there are people who, who uh, tune in to our website and who also listen to these sermons. But they are people, basically, just like you, who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and who have made a choice in their life to try to walk with God. And so my purpose is, basically, to help you walk closer to God, and to feel the power of His presence in your life. Sometimes we're just not sure of that, and that's why we, we, we need to be reminded from the Word and from one another that God is present. And we actually need to feel that power. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. The Spirit of Power. Jesus is the Spirit of Power. Now, when we talk about feeling things, we have to talk about the fact that we live basically with a dual citizenship. We live in two different worlds. We do. Now, everybody in this world doesn't do that, but you do. You live in two different worlds. You live in a world of physical sensations, and you also live in a world of faith. That makes you different. And because you are different, you need different tools to deal with that difference. We live in a physical world that, that is um, controlled by five senses. Generally, that's what we're told. Actually, lately, some have suggested that there are two more. There's seven senses. Does, I think everybody knows what the five different senses are. Sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. Okay, Peter and, well, Jesus himself said, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, he, he said, I can, I can rebuild it, destroy this tabernacle, I'll build it again in three days. And, and uh, they, they didn't know what he was talking about, but he was talking about the tabernacle of his body. And Peter said, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, I will remind you, stir up your mind by, by remembrance. So he, he knew he was in the tabernacle too. So we know that we are in a body. And so we have the five different senses, but, but there are two more. Let's, let's just talk about those for just a minute. One is just the sensation of being. Do you have that sensation? That you are being? <laughs> that you exist? Then the other sensation is of knowing that you have, have a, a position, a sensory percep perception. So if you close your eyes, you know where you are. If you close your eyes and then try to touch your nose with your finger, that calls upon that other sense, and that sense is that, that you have a, a sensation of knowing where you are, where your body is. Okay. 
So we have the seven different senses that are physical. But then we have the sensation of faith. Then we have the, the world of faith. Where you live somewhere where no one else lives, who is not in the faith, basically. And that place where you live is essentially in your heart. That's where it is. Where your emotions are. Now, in John chapter 17, in the only prayer we have of Jesus recorded, where he's actually praying to God, he says, he says, while he's talking about his, his disciples and apostles, later apostles, at verse 12, he says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those that you gave me, I've kept. None of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So he's actually saying, my disciples live somewhere else. Now, what he's talking about, basically, and we need to really clue in on this, he's talking about where you live emotionally. That's what he's talking about. Where your emotions are, not where your brain is. You know where you are. You know what, what your address is. You know what education you have. You know what your house looks like. You know all these things in your brain, but your heart is something else. The heart is desperately wicked, Jeremiah said. Who can know it? Well, the only one that really knows my heart is me and God. God knows my heart, and I know my heart. But in order to live by faith, which means that I can't necessarily touch and taste and feel and sense and close my eyes and figure it out. If I live by faith, that means I'm walking in some other sphere of life. You follow me? Something's going on in me. Hebrews chapter 11 at verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. He that... He that pleases God, he, he that believes in God must believe in Him and must believe that He is. So I believe that God is. It's not just that I believe that there is a God, but I believe in God. And you do too. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, We walk by faith, not by sight. So God is not some something, some being that you can see. So we're actually in a different sphere. We're, work, we're working in a different area. And the only way that that faith that I can walk, the only way that faith comes to me is through God's Word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Okay, so in order for me to have faith, I have to know something about God's Word. And when I read God's Word, when I study God's Word, and when I understand God's Word, then I can have faith. Faith is the power of God unto salvation. Faith lifts me above this world and lets me walk somewhere with God. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, it talks about the word of His power. So we're talking about power. What I'm trying to, what I'm going to tell you is this, that you can feel the presence of God in your life. You can. Amen. And the place you're going to feel it is in your heart. 
That's where you're going to feel God's power. That's where it comes from. Jesus is the power. He is, you know, there are two words that are translated from the Greek in our, into our New Testament that, that are translated power. One is the word that, from which we get our word dynamite. Dynamos is the Greek word. And the other word is the word that we get uh, of authority. All authority, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. So there's one, one area where the word power is used in the New Testament, one way, and that is through authority. The power of God is the authority of God. So he has the right to tell me what to do and to govern my life. The other is the dynamite, what we feel. Okay, so what happens in my life basically is that I dig myself into a big hole. Emotionally, I do, and you do too. We all do. When we, when, once we're born, we begin to, uh, to, uh, to develop attitudes and dispositions and, and, uh, and fears and so forth, emotional reactions to our society. Jesus, however, is the one who's going to get us out of that hole. But essentially, by faith, that's the only way he's going to get us out of that hole. He's going to assure us that we can come out of the hole. And yet, let's, let's just talk for a minute. Because while we're down in that hole, we're not seeing the things that God has for us emotionally. Jesus is the light. That the, the Bible teaches us that. He is the light. He's the light in our lives. The sun is the energy or the power of the natural man. We know that. People that live in Washington State probably have more faith than people that don't. Because we believe the sun is up there. We're walking by faith. We know it's there. Because God put it there. And that's where the energy, that's where the main energy in this world comes from, is from the sun. And the main energy that the Christian has is the sun, the son of God. He's the power that we have. He's the spark in our lives. He energizes us. He vitalizes us. He invests our heart with the power we need to be able to get out of our feeling of being oppressed or depressed. He quickens our step. He lifts our spirit. He turns our night into day. And He gives us hope. But we get into a hole to start with. Basically, we get into a hole emotionally. What we do is what works for us. So as an infant, and you can watch this develop over an infant, an infant is born into a world of their own. The whole world revolves around the infant. So whatever works for that infant, he'll keep doing it. You, you did it, I did it, everybody does it. Whatever works, works for us. We just keep doing it. If crying gets your way and, and uh, squalling and bawling and throwing fits gets your way, you'll keep doing that probably into adulthood. If, if, it, uh, if, if being nice gets your way, you'll try to be nice. Whatever we do, whatever we do in, in infancy, we'll continue to do that and we'll make our, our lives controlled by what 
makes us feel good. What it, it's called existentialism by Sartre and uh, Nietzsche and so forth. Men like this talk about whatever works, works, keep working it. But basically, it is, it's an emotional thing. So whatever works for me emotionally, if it feels good, I'll keep doing it. If, I can, if it feels good for me to throw a temper tantrum, to get angry, I'll keep doing that. And the more I do it, the less I'm able not to do it. So I'll keep digging that hole. You see what I'm talking about? Whatever works makes me feel good. If it makes me feel good to talk about somebody else and to feel jealous of somebody else, if it, talk, if it feels good for me to have a sexual encounter with someone else, to, to release my sexual feelings and so forth, I'll just keep doing that and I won't be able to break it. If it makes me feel good to get drunk, I'll get drunk to drink, whatever it takes. To take drugs, I'll just keep doing that because it makes me feel good. Whatever makes me feel good, I'll do. And as a result, I'll just keep getting deeper and deeper in that pit until I can't get out. Now, someone says, okay, we need help getting out. Yes, we do. I will, I will develop my whole life. I'll, I'll get my whole life that surrounds me and what, what works for me and feels good for me is what I'll do. If it feels good to lie rather than to face the truth, and most of the time it does. You can save face by lying. You don't have to have to suffer the consequences. So we're talking about mistakes that we make, but they're emotional mistakes, and we just keep making them, and eventually we get to the point that we can't quit. We can't. We need help. We can't get out of that hole by ourselves. Well, someone, of course, can help us get out of that hole, and that's Jesus. In, in college and in my studies, my background studies, I tried to study things that would help me help you because I was studying while I was preaching. And I learned early on that whatever happens in my life or anybody else's life depends upon that individual, myself or the individual. I could not get somebody else out of the hole they were in. If you get in a deep hole, emotional, I can't get you out. I can let you talk to me about it, and I can give you some dumb advice, advice that I would take myself. I, you know, everybody's full of advice. I cannot get you out of your emotional hole. It's just, that's just the fact of it. And if you talk to a psychologist who has studied this all his life and practiced that, the psychologist will tell you that they get extremely depressed. Because the problems that people bring to them and the fact that they can't help them. That the person has to help themselves. Well, that's part of it. But I'll tell you what, we have some power with someone who can get us out of that. And the one who has the power is the one who can reach down into that pit and his name is Jesus. He's the one that can get you out of that. I can't. I can refer him to you, but I can't reach down and pull you out of your pit. And you can't reach down and get me out of mine. But Jesus can get me out of that pit. He can, he can break that emotional uh, problem that I have. He can help me with my greed. You know, sometimes 
when we talk about sin, we're, we're probably using a politically incorrect term. But it's, it, sin's got a bad reputation, doesn't it? People don't want to hear about it. They don't want to talk about it. Well, let's use another term. It's actually the, ter- the New Testament, the Old Testament term for sin is mistake. Made a mistake. Really, that's what we do. When we do something wrong that's damaging to our relationship, to ourselves, to you, to family, to God, it's a big mistake. And we can continue in those mistakes and until we find some way to break what we've been doing and get us out of that pattern, then we're going to be locked into it. We're going to stay in the hole. Not only will we stay in the hole, we'll get ourselves behind bars. And when we're behind bars, uh, not only are we, have we been in a hole, but now then we're, we're encased and we can't get out. We've, we've, we've erected ourselves a place of solitary confinement. We are in, within ourselves and we can't escape. We can't get out. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about Jesus coming to this earth in, Matthew, in Luke chapter 4 to free the prisoners. We are a prisoner of our own problems, of our own mistakes. So there we are, our bad behavior, our pattern of behavior, our habits. Tell someone to quit smoking because it's harmful. Appeal to their head. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be vaping, kid. You know why? Because vaping is going to kill you. So what does a kid do? He goes behind the house and he vapes. It doesn't make any difference whether you know it's right or wrong. What you have to be convinced of in your heart is that you ought not to be doing it. That's where it comes from, your heart. And there's only one individual that can reach in to your heart and break those bad habits, and his name is Jesus. Now, we have intemperate and devastating results. We're doomed to excuse our habits. And someone says, well, I'm not, as, I'm not as bad as someone else. You know, I'm not as bad as that person. I don't go to church because there are many people there that are as bad as I am. Well, that's true. We're all bad. We're all trying to get out of jail, aren't we? We're all trying to break out and, and try to be better and trying to establish a relationship with God. Again, I'm going to, I want to bring you back to something. <coughs> I'm not talking about something that's sort of ethereal and up in the, in the clouds. I'm talking about something that is real in your life and in my life, and that is a relationship with God. And the presence of Jesus Christ in my life, in your life, who is there to give me a hand and help me break those bad habits that will say to me, Bill, quit talking about other people. Quit trying to drag them down and blow their candle out and light yours. Quit doing that. Quit listening to people say bad things about other people. Don't gossip. Okay. And he's saying, Bill, listen, stay away from pornography. Don't pull that up on the computer. And so he's right there with me. And he's saying, don't do that. And I'll help you not to do that. Without Jesus, what would I do? Man, I'm, I'd get into all sorts of mischief. Without Jesus Christ. But he's there if he's, but he's there because of my faith that he's there. If I don't believe he's there, guess what? 
He's not there. He isn't there. He's somewhere. He's not with me. That's for sure. Now, when I talk about him being present in the Word, and he's called the Word and the Gospel, I'm saying that the that the power that you have in the Gospel is not because you you read some of it sometimes. It's not because you kind of got it by osmosis because it's laying around on the counter at home. The Bible was. Or that you knew someone who quoted Bible. The Word of God is in you, Jesus Christ is in you, because you open your heart and your mind when you open the Word and you read it. And you let it come in and soak into your heart. That's, that's how faith comes about. Okay, so how do we get out of jail? Well, what I need is someone to put a file on a cake and bring it to me. And I'll saw, the, I'll saw the bars and I'll get out by myself. Or maybe we'll just have a big jailbreak and somebody will rope the, rope the bars and tie it onto a horse pommel and pull the bars down and I can get out. Like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid will just make a jailbreak. That's not the way it's going to work. What I need is I need a pardon. I need to be pardoned. Because I've, I've been wrong and my, my heart is full of sin. And I need, when I get out of jail, I need to be pardoned. Isn't that right? When, when a man or a woman is in jail, you know what they want? They, they want to get out and stand in the sunshine and, and feel the sun on their face. They want to turn their, their face up to the sky and, and feel the rain fall on them. They want to be outside and they want to feel the sun, and they want to feel the rain, and they want to breathe the fresh air, and they don't want someone to be pointing their finger at them saying, oh, you're an old jailbird. You're a criminal. What we need is complete freedom. And the freedom we have comes from Jesus Christ. When He pardons us, He forgives us of our sins. And He says, you know what? I'm, you're free. You're pardoned. You have amnesty. You don't have to answer for these things again from anybody. And that's what Jesus said he came to do, to free the prisoners. So emotionally, when I'm baptized into Jesus Christ, let's just talk about that for a minute. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he can do this. And I believe in my heart. And I'm going to tell everybody else, you know what? I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I really do. Then I'm going to be baptized with him. I'm going to go down in the water. And I'm going to rise to walk in newness of life with my sins washed away. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And then I'm going to be free. I don't have to recriminate in my mind, in my heart, about what I've done before. Now, I'll tell you what, friend, that's tough to do. I go back over my life and I, I, I try to not think about it. Because I did some of the things that I'm so stinking ashamed of. It's pathetic. But I know this, that God said, Bill, you're pardoned. You're pardoned. Don't worry about it. You want a job? You can have a job. You don't have to put down all the stuff that you did. You don't have to put down that you're, you're a criminal. I won't look at you like you're a criminal anymore. That's, that's what he tells me. Okay, so in my heart, I can feel free. Now, the big question is, when all this has happened, does that really work? Does that really work? 
Isn't that the issue that we're faced with today? Do I really feel like Jesus is in my heart? Can I really feel His presence? Does Jesus reside with me? The Word tells me that He does. Now I want to tell you something else. Do not look anywhere else on this earth for verification of that fact because you won't find it anywhere else. Society is not going to endorse that, uh, that notion. They're not going to tell you, yes, yes, Jesus is there. Don't worry about it. Society is not going to tell you that. The only place you're going to get confirmation that Jesus is in your heart, in your life, is in this book, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And where else would you need it? But beside that, that's all I'm saying. Faith, Faith is developed by God's Word. That's where it comes from. Now then... Faith tells me, if I'm, if I'm wondering, well, okay, I've been in a pit. Can he get me out? I'm in a pit of, I'm, 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 feeling, I'm feeling down. I don't, I, I don't think I can face tomorrow. I don't think I can get up in the sunshine. I don't think the sun's ever going to come out again. I, I, don't think I, can, I don't think I can look at other people and not realize what, what an awful person I am. And, and I, I don't think I can get out of the these habits I've got into. I don't know how I can do that. The question is, do we have that doubt? Well, the Bible says, the Bible tells me that faith is the evidence of things not seen and the the confidence of things hoped for. So I can't really see what God is doing with me. So nobody's going to be able to look and say, yeah, this is how it's going to work. And this, this is what I see. That's not going to work. As a matter of fact, uh, we have to develop our faith basically on what God has said, Amen. not what we can observe. Now, if I try to look at your life and try to observe Jesus working there, what I can see basically is the effect He's having on you. Someone says, well, let your light so shine before others. Well, the point is, the, the light you're letting shine before others is Jesus. I, I don't want my light to shine. I want to show you Him, how He's shining on me, basically. So I, I, can't, I can't provide light for you, but I can show you the light, which is Jesus Christ. And, and the point is that He will work with us and He will do what He promised He will do, if I believe that He can, if I don't believe that He can, can He get me out of the hole I've dug? Can He get me out? Can He help me change my character? Will He change it for me? Well, He won't change it for you, but He'll help you. He'll reach down and help you get that change. He'll make that change. Can I quit this? Can I quit that? Can I, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do all the things that will make me a better person and Draw me closer to God. Well, it's going to involve faith. And faith is not something that you can taste, that you can see, that you can hear, that you can touch, like you can touch your nose. Faith is something that happens in your heart. You feel the power of Him surging through your heart. Matthew chapter 11 at verse 28 and 29. Well, that's a favorite of mine. Because Jesus said, Come unto me. All ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Come unto me. He said, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is light and easy, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest unto your souls. So he makes that, makes that promise that he'll do that. Can I feel his power surging in my heart? Can I feel him lifting me up out of my despair? Can I see the light that he turns on? Can I bask in that light? Can Jesus dry my tears? Can he calm my fears? Can he raise me up? If I ask in faith, he'll do it. Now, if I don't ask in faith, and if I don't believe he can do it, he won't do it. Now, that's that's simple, isn't it? So I'm asking him to do things for me. I'm asking him to do things for my heart. Paul said it this way. Now, Paul was talking to some people that were idolaters. And the idolaters would go into the idol's temple, and there they would they would eat meat that was offered to that idol. And from the eating of that meat, they were worshiping the idol. And some Christians were coming along saying, well, the idol's nothing, there's nothing to idolatry. So I'll, I'll go over there and I'll eat some of that meat because it looks like good stuff. They're putting out a nice, nice table. So I'll go over there and eat. But they got over there and started eating, and they looked at the idol and they began to think about the idol. They began to think that there's something about this idol. So Paul said, don't do that. He said, whosoever doubts is damned if he eat. So if we doubt, we're condemned. If we don't believe God can do it, He's not going to do it. He's not going to help us if we don't believe that at all. And in Hebrews chapter 12, and at verse 1, he talks about the sin that does so easily beset us. You know what that sin that, that easily besets us is? Unbelief. If you don't believe, you're going to take a setback. Lay aside everything that the weight, lay aside that weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Faith in Jesus Christ claims my heart, puts my future in tomorrow in His hands. Now, what I want to do when I believe in God and I'm in trouble and my heart is bothering me, I want to see the solution. Don't you? Okay, Lord, you're going to fix this? How? (laughs) How? Remember Abraham and Sarah? God said, I'm going to give you a son. Abraham was pretty old at the time. And they didn't believe it, but they thought, well, okay. But the question they had in their mind was, how? How are you going to do this, Lord? So Sarah said, I know. I'll give him my handmaid, Hagar, and he can have a baby through Hagar. That's how we'll get it done. That wasn't what God had in mind, was it? So I'm saying, okay, Lord, I need your help. But would you please let me know how you're going to do it? Would you going to tell? Are you going to tell me about tomorrow? See, I'm I'm having a hard time today. I'm having a difficulty today. I need to believe in you, but I'm having a hard time. Can you show me? Give me a little glimpse of tomorrow. Let me see. Well, you know what? That's not faith, is it? We're, we're looking for something. We're looking for 
We're looking for the laying out of the plan for us. Faith tells me that when I put myself in God's hands, He will take care of my tomorrow. Isn't that right? And one of these days, we're going to come to the end of the road, aren't we? It won't. You don't have to have faith to get there. We're going to get there. We're going to get to the end of the road. It can be rough. It can be smooth. Whatever it can be. You can have a good, easy life or you can have a real tough life. But one of these days, you're going to come to the end of the road. We all are. You won't need faith to get there. You won't need hope when you're there. You don't need any hope when you're there. You know what you're going to need when you get there? Jesus Christ. And He'll be there if you believe He's there. He'll be there. He certainly will. I saw something on TV very recently. But it reminded me of an old story that I heard before. A rock climber was climbing a face of a, a very difficult mountain. And he got up to almost the very top, sheer cliff drop off. He really struggled to get there and he slipped. He lost his grip. And he grabbed a hold of a little bush, a little tiny bush that was growing out of the side of the hill, of the, the cliff. And he began, he couldn't move. He couldn't move up or down. He started, he started crying out for help, help, help. Pretty soon a voice says, I'm here. He said, good. And the voice said, Done. let go and I'll take care of you. And he said, uh, help, help, help. <laughs> and the voice said again, let go and I'll take care of you. He said, who are you? He said, I'm the Lord. And he said, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> there was a woman on the side of a cliff that shows on TV and she was slipping. She was on. She was slipping down a, a very sheer embankment, and a guy was coming along, rescue a rescue group, SARS, in a helicopter, and they let a fella down. And she didn't know he was down there, but they let this guy down. He was trying to get to her before she turned loose, and all of a sudden, she fell, and it just so happened that he grabbed her as she came by, saved her. Interesting. Most interesting part to me was they put her back on top of the hill and went home and let her walk out. That was really interesting. But the point is, it's time, if you have faith, it's time for you to let go and let God take care of you. God help you do that. Let's stand and sing the song that's been selected.